Welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. This is a podcast to help men become more fully alive through doing life together. My name is Robbie Angle. I work with groups here at North Point Community Church alongside Lee Rogers. Here with me today, Lee, they haven't shut this thing down yet. Are you excited? I feel like we're still flying under the radar and it's going pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. For whoever out there is listening, we're enjoying it so far. Grateful. And I'm super excited. We have a special guest today. His name is Reggie Campbell. He is a business guy, wrote some books. He's been an elder here at the church. We'll introduce him a little bit more in a minute, but we are going to be talking about how to engage our faith as men in the workplace and and how this balance looks between being a believer, being a Christian, a Jesus follower, and doing our day jobs in the business world. Really from a guy who's done it. He's been in the business world. He's thrived in that environment, but he has influenced a lot of men and a lot of families. That's right. So speaking about thriving in the workplace, I I thought it'd be interesting to start and look back on your early days, Lee, and where did you start learning how you are a professional, engaging, amazing man? Professional. Who? What's in your past? Where did you get all this? Yeah. So I was thinking about this question: Where did my work life start? And here's where it started. My dad was in construction my whole life, remodeling houses, that sort of deal. So I grew up in construction, always the laborer. It was kind of like me, this little 60-pound 12-year-old, and a bunch of strong men either digging ditches or carrying trash or whatever it was, which is the good part. You know, it's a there's a lot to lot to learn, a lot to do there. The bad part was that I was always with some pretty rough guys. Yep. And so I remember this summer when I was 14 years old, I was working with the these dudes who are from downtown Atlanta, and I learned so many disturbing things about <laughs> male and female anatomy that <laughs> no one should ever know, but especially a 14 year old sweet little boy from the burbs sweet little it was rough Lee. man that is rough i think back i uh one of my favorite early jobs was papa john's delivering pizza i bought an 88 celica five speed for 1700 bucks and man i wore some pizza out just driving around i had a little cd at the time i wore out Inya. I don't know. It, it was calming <laughs> as I was fighting road rage in Central Florida with all the old people driving around, and uh, so I listened to Inya on the Discman, which had that, you know, connection to the tape deck. Oh yeah, you know, I know the one. And so I just listened to Inya, and I was just like in the zone, positive energy. That is the strangest driving around dichotomy. delivering pizza. <laughs> if, if anyone doesn't know who Inya is, like picture the '90s and spa music. <laughs> <laughs> like That's ethereal good. female yeah, voices. Don't look it up. I don't know why. It just happened to work. Please don't look I it just, up. I was in the zone all night delivering pizzas till awesome. late at night. Good job. Um, let's transition and pull Reggie into this. Reggie Campbell, welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. Who was Enya? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't. Worry. It's not worth looking into. Uh, thank you, Reggie. Thanks for having me, guys. Reggie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us an overview of where you've been, where you've come from, especially in the professional world. 
Well, my first job was selling papers up and down the street, and uh, I grew from there. Um, I started with a big company, worked 12 years in corporate America, uh, left when I was 33, which is about the same time my wife left, mm. uh, which was the wake-up call I needed to move from believing in Jesus to following Jesus. And uh, thankfully, she came back a week later, and I got a, a fresh start. But six months later, I left the big company and started my own deal and have been sort of an entrepreneurial business guy um, for the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. That's awesome. More successes or failures in that entrepreneurial journey? I've had um, 12 wins, four losses, four ties, and I still have eight games in progress. (laughs) That's awesome. So big company and then transition to midsize, some mid, some small, some bigger, all across the board? All small. All, All startup stage companies. The biggest company I've I've run since leaving uh, the big one was a hundred million dollars with like in sales with fifteen hundred employees, okay. which is considered to be a small business in the major scheme of things. Yeah, I would consider that small too. What about you, Lee? So- yeah, I consider that a small town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Reggie, we just want to say thank you for joining us today, and that we just want to hear from a guy who's been in the trenches, who's been in the corporate world for his career, but probably had more influence on others than Robbie and I have working in ministry for the last few years. Well, my wife didn't just wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to give you a little time to think about your life. I had sown the seeds of discontent for every, every year, every day for all the years that I was chasing success in the corporate world. And, um, you know that really was was what what you do when you get into a big company or you you know you get a job and you want to move up and so they told me I'd go further faster if I got an MBA so I go back for three and a half years at night uh, to get an MBA while my kids are like three and one so I miss so much of their small toddler years where it's you don't think they need you but man did I miss out because I wasn't there or paying attention. Uh, and then they want you to move here and they want you to do this job and that job. And so I, I was saluting the they for all those years. And when I surrendered to Christ and uh, when I was 33 years old, I looked around and they weren't there. <laughs> wow. I didn't know who they were. Hmm. My marriage was in, in the crapper. My career was transitioning. And I looked at who were these they people that I had sacrificed so much to please and they were nowhere. And so when I when I committed in my faith and got to know Jesus personally, um, you know, my first response was, I need to go into church work. I mean, I love Jesus and I want everybody to love Jesus. And I really, I pondered that for a while. And then I realized if everybody who follows in my path goes to church work, there's not going to be any Christians in the workplace. And so I made a decision, I need to stay in the marketplace, but I need to figure out how to take my faith to work. I mean, for the guy who's listening right now, who's climbing the corporate ladder and um, has his sights set on the next level in some sort of way, are you is is there something wrong with that in itself? It, you know, worship is defined as what you assign worth to, and so when I say I worshipped my career, that's what I assigned worth to. That's what I um, was identified by. Hey, what do you do? Yeah. You know, what level are you? Are you a VP? Are you, yep. a, you know, that kind of thing. And so once I realized that none of that really mattered in the long term scheme of things, I was able to relax and just be myself. And so, no, I don't think I think if that's your end goal is to 
uh, have the symbols of success and that's important for your identity, then you're working hard climbing a ladder, but it's leaning against the wrong wall. Wow. That's huge. There's a lot of guys listening to this, probably managing that tension of, okay, my identity might be okay, but I'm still have a job and a paycheck and they asked me to go and they asked me to do. And I, I feel that managing that tension of expectations at home and work just feels crippling. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's not any easier when you surrender to Christ than it is when you don't. Mm. Because the boss still wants the report by Friday and you still got numbers to make and, you know, all the attention of, of, of the higher ups is on you as well as the people who maybe were working under you. So, yeah, you still got to, to set priorities, choose who you're going to cheat. Um, the question is, who are you going to trust for the outcome? You know, for all those years, I put the pressure on myself and I said, if it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And uh, when I when I found that I had a friend in Jesus, <laughs> yeah, sounds like a good song to write. I uh, I said, you know, I'm going to do the work and I'm going to give it my best, but I'm going to trust him for the outcome of things. And that's what I did. And it was a, a huge transition. And of course, six months later, I really had to, to trust him because I walked out with nine months of severance and wow. no savings and started over. That tension you alluded to a minute ago between... Um, okay, I love Jesus, so I'm going to go do quote-unquote ministry for a job. But if everybody in my situation did that, what would the marketplace lose? Unpack that for us a little bit. Well, there's, to me, there's two major things. One is realizing that life is about people, and you are people away from your objectives, whether you work in a for-profit business, a nonprofit, church, whatever. No matter what you want to do, your people, people stand between you and accomplishing whatever your mission or vision or goals are. Mm. So if you realize that the only thing that goes from this life to the next life is people and God's word, then focus on people. And all of a sudden, if you help enough, you know, the old um, uh, Zig Ziglar thing, if you help enough people in the world get what they want, you'll get what you want. Um, so you don't do it because you want to use them. It's just a matter of loving and serving them. And that's a whole shift in why you go to work and how you approach the time you spend at work. And it doesn't matter the vehicle of what you get paid for or where he has you. Right. We're all in ministry. You just get paid for it. I don't. That's right. We all have, you know, it's, it, to me, it's, it's ministry versus vocational ministry, meaning you get paid. I don't get paid. But we're all responsible for our time, talent, and treasure. And it's, are we going to spend it for ourselves or making a name for ourselves or getting richer and driving a Ferrari or whatever? Or are we going to use it to bring glory to him and peace to ourselves? That's right. And you felt like God had given you time, treasure, and talents that you could love people in environments of startups and businesses in, in a uniquely gifted way. And that kept you on that track. Yeah. I mean, the, the, and, and the fun thing about it is it's non-hierarchical. You know, you can be the CEO of a company with 1,500 employees, or you can be the CEO, president of a startup with uh, with no employees and nothing but a business card in a, you know, 12 by 10 room, which is where I was <laughs> when I was 33 and a half. Mm. Uh, but the only the only thing that matters is the Lord is in charge and the people that you're going to interact with, either as clients, potential client, clients, vendors, uh, ultimately subordinates, peers, superiors, board members, investors. It's all about people. So that all sounds good, I mean, and happy and, and forward-moving. 
did you see as your heart shifted, as your perspective shifted, as you said, as you put your ladder maybe on a different wall, the ladder that you're still climbing, did you run into hurdles? Did you run into conflict? Things that like, I didn't expect to have to deal with what? Um, I guess you get disappointed with people, you know, sometimes you get disappointed with the people that claim to be Christians and that's, you know, I, I, I've never put a fish on my car and that's, that's <laughs> or on your tie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or on my tie. Uh, because you know, when I'm in Atlanta traffic and, and it's stacked up and I'm going to be late, I don't want to be held accountable to having that <laughs> fish in my car. Uh, but I think it's more important to live, you know, your faith uh, and and live it consistently than it is to have a big Bible on the corner of your desk and, and never read it or or to have symbols around of your faith. And uh, so you're not becoming the church nut. You're just loving people a little better. Absolutely. Let them figure out what's fueling that. Yeah. Let that's them good. try to guess as to why it's a different place to work. Reggie, I uh, I've got to know you a little bit over the past few years, and you are one of the most intentional guys I know. So. Uh, in a minute, I have some questions in regards to how you intentionally shift a mindset of seeing it as work, climbing a ladder, progressing, identity, name, to be about people and love. But first, I would love to take just a couple minutes for a little section that we like to call Man Hacks. All right, Lee, what you got for us today? All right, I've got another man hack. We're just trying to make everybody at least as good as we are. So any tips and <laughs> tricks bar. that we have, we want to pass them along. So again, my man hack is something that maybe everyone is already doing, but I just discovered it and I'm <laughs> pumped. So it turns out that you can, if you have an email or a text or something on your phone, you can select all of the text, right click it, Hit speech. This works on Macs. It works on iPhones. I don't know about those other kind of devices, but hit hit the little speech. Choose the speech button, and it will read you the entire email or text. Really, it's huge. If you have a huge email, not that I would ever look at an email driving down the road, yeah. but if I wanted to, I could select that text and just hit speech, and it will read you the whole email. It's fantastic. It's a good hack. A good I never hack. knew that. Yeah, me neither. We just got judged by a lot of people. Like these Welcome guys don't to the know rest anything. Of the world. <laughs> um, all right, so here's what I got. Uh, I got my bug assault gun taken care of. Uh, flies, and now we have these like fruit flies. Huh. They're driving us crazy. So uh, my wife had a little concoction. This everyone might know this as well, but she I just don't. put some apple cider vinegar in a little bowl or a cup, sprayed a little, uh, put like a tablespoon a little bit of like dishwasher soap like orange flavored yeah. dishwasher soap or whatever and then covered it with cellophane and poked a couple holes in it so the fruit flies smell it go in the holes they get stuck in the apple cider vinegar because of the soap and then i woke up this morning we did it last night there's like 20 dead fruit flies in there what? felt like a win this is it amazing. was great your house is almost bug free almost fantastic almost. well hope that was helpful that's it for the section that we like to call Man Hacks. All right, let's jump back into this with Reggie. So Reggie, we were just talking about the value of leveraging any environment that we do, if it's work, non-work, to reprioritize around people and loving them 
That is a nebulous, difficult concept to focus on people and not work, to focus on people, not my identity or worth out of a position or title. How do we do that as guys? Well, let me give you a little history of how I came to where I, I, I got to when I wrote the book. Um, when I first found Jesus, he found me. I got really passionate. I was zealous. I was sharing my faith with everybody. Mm pretty much making everybody mad. Um, and, and what you find is when you become real public about your faith, birds of a feather flock together. So all of a sudden you find all the Christians are wanting to be your friends at work. All the non-Christians are running for the hills. And so that was that didn't feel right to me. And so that was a data point. Then I went away to a conference, and I heard a speaker uh, talking about workplace ministry. And he said, you need to look at your workplace just like a preacher would look at his church. Hmm. When a preacher walks in and walks up to that platform, he looks one way and he sees his faithful few. I mean, his wife, she's got to be there. You know, the kids, um, <clears throat> the people that are, are always there. And then way over on the right are the people that are kind of skeptical and they're there most of the time or whatever. And then way back in the back are the people that snuck in the back and don't really want to be seen. They're really, really not not yeah. interested and there may be some people driving up and down the street <laughs> that are not even in, not even coming in the door. And he said, "That's the way it is for you at work. Hmm. Look at the people around you at work, uh, and don't. It's not hierarchical because some of the people in the back could be CEOs. Some of the people on in in the favorite few corner could be the janitors. You know, could be the the service representatives or whatever. And that really struck me as is making a lot of sense. And so." I started thinking about, okay, if I were that that guy, that preacher or whatever, who would be in my church, i.e., mm. who would be in those different categories? Okay. So of all the people that show up at the same place you work, to evaluate where they are with God or where they're at on the spectrum of belief? What? Where they are in their faith walk. Okay. <clears throat> Either, gotcha. What, do they have a faith walk? Are they, you know, really committed to their faith walk? Are they, uh, where are they? That's that's the thing. I mean, they're people, they're God's children, and I care about them. So I, I, I first and foremost, I want to I want to learn what I can learn about them, where they are in their faith walk. Like I said, the ones who are openly um, uh, in love with Jesus, those self-identify pretty quickly. Gotcha. But all the people that aren't in that category, you've got to spend a little time and energy getting to know them and figuring out where they might be so you can love them and serve them and maybe help them take a step. That's a huge factor. I just want to point out that you said there, we talk a lot about curiosity and being curious about those around us, starting with questions first. And you just laid that out beautifully. Um, It was... I started out with with um, four. I think it was four categories. I was thinking about Lost Larry, <clears throat> Worldly Wally, uh, Churchy Charlie, mm. uh, and and so I, I was sort of coming up with these archetypes, and and uh, and and I, that didn't really work too well. And I kept thinking about it and guessing and and interacting with people, and finally came up with five five categories, and and those were. And for simplicity, I call them A's, B's, C's, D's, and E's. Hmm. So A's were apathetic, you know, ignorance and apathy. I don't apathy. I don't care. I don't know, and I don't care. Um, and then there were B's were people that were. Uh, I, I said they were beginning to search because I needed a word that started with a B. Yep. Uh, but those are the people that would watch Touched by an Angel and they would talk about God and. You know, um, listen to Enya. Yeah, listen to Enya. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> all that kind of stuff. But there was some spark of interest in spiritual things in those yeah. people. C's were, um, you know, confessing Christians, or you can sometimes call them chosen frozen. Uh, they say, I believe. They they talk about church. They talk about God. They really have a hard time saying, Jesus. That's a struggle for them. And then D's are developing disciples. Those are people that come to church but also are doing something to grow. They're in a small group Bible study. They're doing something that's church and and these are people that are trying to replicate the faith in others, make disciples. So, you know, C's get it, uh, D's are growing it, and E's are giving it away. And the poster boy for this whole thought process is a guy named Craig Calloway. Hmm. Uh, Craig was this young sales rep in my company. He was 27 years old. <clears throat> we had a sales lead, and I had um, invited him to go with me. And on the way there, I said, by the way, you're going to do the pitch. He'd been at the company for a week. And, but I saw talent in him, mm. and so on the way back, I said, look, if you'll really commit to this, this company and the growing, I'll pour into you, and I'll try to help you get, get good at what you do. Mm. And so that developed a relationship. Well, 12 years later, uh, after he says 572 meetings, <laughs> breakfast, lunches, whatever, he, he, I moved him to Washington, he moved him back, um, he prayed to receive Christ. Wow. Um, in my car outside a, a breakfast place after 12 years. Uh, within six months, he spoke, shared his story at the um, high tech prayer breakfast. And now he's in that E category. All of his family have become Jesus followers. And it's just this great story. But when I first met him, he was apathetic. He had gotten uh, burned in the church. He had been, uh, his dad had been burned in, in, in the church, and they had walked away from the church. Uh, his best friend was killed by a drunk driver when he was 17, <clears throat> and he went to the funeral, and the pastor says, God loves you. God is good. And he said, well, if that's the kind of God yeah. you serve, that's not for me. And so it was a process of seeing him go from an A to a B to finally to a C, and then he joined a small group, and then ultimately he was, He's basically the pastor, in a sense, of his workplace and a very big company on the division that he, he operates in. That's amazing. So, okay, so I, I pick up my head, I look around and see the people that I'm around at work and where they're at. What should we do? So that guy's an A, that guy's a C, that guy's an E. Yeah, where do we go? You love them and serve them, and most importantly, you pray for them. Huh. You know, I have, I have my, I, it's a call and intentionality map, but I write all these names under these columns. I don't ever show it to anybody. This is just between me and, and, the, and the good Lord. And I put it where I pray, and I pray for these people, and I look for opportunities to answer questions that they ask or to just be there for, for them when there's a crisis. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, in, in work world, there's a lot of crises. And what I've learned is that people don't move forward in their faith unless there's some sort of disruption. Hmm. And so what I wanted to do and, and have done you know, as much as I can for all these years is just love and serve people and be positioned in their lives so that when they have a question, they think of me. When they have a crisis, they think of me. And I can reflect, uh, point them to Scripture, tell them my story, and just help them take that next step, whatever that is. I, I want to unpack that, but you also breezed through. You have you write down A, B, C, D, or E, and you put people's names that God has in your life through work in those categories. Right. And you use that as a list and a reminder to pray for them. Right. And then when they move a step, I draw a little arrow 
and I write so their awesome. I write their name over in the next column, and uh, Craig's name was in the A column, and now it's in the E column. Um, my CFO uh, went from an, the A column all the way over to the E column, and uh, any I mean that I don't know awesome. it's two pages long of people over the years. Um, I know we don't work with you, but I hope Robbie and I make it to the E column someday. <laughs> that would be good. Well, right now it's a struggle. Huh? <laughs> the you've been working with me, man. Keep working with me. Five twelve. We're we're on the way. So you have an awareness, and then you build trust. You love them, and you build trust, and you pray for them, and so that when something comes up, an opportunity, a challenge, a crisis in their life. You are the trusted person that has a relational basis to then help them navigate and answer some of those questions based on where they're at. I love it. So this is awesome, but if I were going over bottom lines real quick, what we would love for guys to talk about in a in a small group, this is what I, I've bullet pointed. Check what you worship. Um, view the work, workplace like a church. Just walk in and look at it that way. Get an idea where people are, A, B, D, E, A, B, C, D, E, or whatever, whatever works for you. Um, and then pray and be there when there's a need, um, especially if there's a disruption so that you can share your story and scripture and, and be there for them to love them. Yeah. And what are we leaving out? Well, I'm, I want to emphasize three things that, that we just talked about. One is, um, this, You've got to be doing your job and doing it well to have credibility with anybody. That's great. If you're the loser, if you're the slacker, if you're the gossip, if you're the snarly, cynical, sarcastic dude, it doesn't matter how much you love and serve people. People are going to look at you and say, I ain't interested. Okay. So that that's first, first thing. Second thing is all this takes minutes a day. You know, this yeah. is, you're still doing your job you're still doing what you're getting paid to do but this is about caring loving serving people along the way while yeah. you're doing your job and the third thing is and particularly with with uh, our engagement with north point this is a perfect um uh, segue to invest and invite you know i look at my church as a tool uh, that i use in my i hate the word but my ministry in yep. other words when i go to 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 work and I engage with the people that I'm working around, <clears throat> I think, okay, this guy's right on the edge uh, and we're about to start a new sermon series that's on X. Yep. And so that's the time I've invested enough with him that I've got credibility. Now I'm going to pull out my, my chip and say, Hey, look, look, man, Sunday, I want you to come to church with me. That's we're awesome. going to have this talk. That's going to be about such and such. And so it, it's, it's, being able to use the church and as helping and helping people take that next step because you've invested in them personally and you care about them. I love it. Guys, we're going to start laying the plane. There's a couple questions that I'd love to ask you that we try to ask our guests. The first one is what are you reading right now or what have you read lately? That's great. I am reading cherish uh, by Gary Thomas. I've, I've uh, written a book about, about, marriage about um, being a radical husband and a lot of the stuff in that book is about um, how to live with your wife in an understanding way cherish is about offense not defense it's about going beyond you know just getting along and uh, so i'm getting a ton out of that book i really like gentlemen you can trust this man on how to love a wife well write that down (laughs) the uh and what radical husbands do is 
awesome book that we leverage in a ton of our groups. It's one of our primary marriage-related recommended reads and books for small groups, which Reggie wrote and I have personally loved. Uh, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? My 20-year-old self, uh, Reggie, slow down. Hmm. Slow down. You got a lot of time. You got a lot more life ahead of you. You don't have to do it all today. You don't have to have, you don't worry more about him and not them. You know, when, <laughs> this they thing drives me crazy to think of all the things I did for them, for they, yeah. and then I even know who they are. So slow down, think about what you're doing and be intentional, but recognize that things you do have consequences. You can't sow seeds of discontent and wake up one day and say, why does my wife not love me? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, last question. Where can we find, read, hear more of uh, what you're doing? What, what are you working on that you could let us know about? Well, uh, radical mentoring is, is um, what I spend almost all my time on, and that's trying to get churches to embrace this whole idea of mentoring men in a small group, uh, having older men and pour into younger men. Um, the, the thing I spent the most time on the last, in the last six months is a, a new devotional book, I hate to call it a devotional book because those are written by people like C.S. Lewis and, you know, <laughs> uh, really smart people. This is more of a, a leadership day at a time yeah. um, kind of thing. It's called Radical Wisdom, uh, and you can find out about it at uh, radicalwisdombook.com. Awesome. But it comes out November 30th, and all the proceeds from that go to support Radical Mentoring. That's awesome. I'll buy one, Reggie. I'm committed. Good. I, I make sure you pay retail. We need it. We need the margin, baby. Christmas gifts. Everybody's getting radical wisdom awesome. for Christmas. Exactly. We hope this conversation was beneficial for you guys and practical and hopefully a catalyst for conversation as you get together with other guys. And as always, we connect relationally and then learn leveraged content to learn about something of which this podcast would be that learn component in order to grow. And we grow through applying what we learn in the context of safe relationships through connecting. And we grow through three questions saying, what does this mean for me personally? What am I going to do about it? And then how we can help each other. So thanks for joining us, Reggie. This was a lot of fun. We are going to transition at this point to a couple minutes of wisdom from our good friend, John Woodall, with a segment we like to call Wisdom from the Woods. Uh, one of the things that I do these days is I, I try to read any book I can about men being better men, acting like men. Even at 64 years old, I, I just want to be growing and becoming a godly man and a better man all the way to the end. And I came across this verse in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It really caught my attention. It's just one verse, but it has four parts to it. It says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, Act like men and be strong. Just a simple verse, four parts, but one part that really got my attention was the third part where it says, act like men. Guys, I don't hesitate to tell you that even as a 64-year-old male, uh, that I still have the temptation to act like a boy or an adolescent male. My wife and I, the other night, it was just the two of us. Nobody was in the house um, we were having a conversation. She was sitting on a couch across from me, and unfortunately and stupidly, I had my phone in between 
my wife and me. I didn't turn it over. Uh, I had the alert shut off. But while we were in conversation, uh, somebody texted. And instead of keeping my eyes uh, locked onto hers in the conversation, I'd look down and would see this text. I'm sure you guys have uh, don't even know what I'm talking about. That's never happened to you, right? Well, anyway, I did it one time too many, and my wife says this to me. She said, next time, remind me not to mix business and pleasure. And, you know, in the moment, I confess to you, this is what I thought. I thought, shut up. You know, I don't look at the phone that much. And I found my, my reaction being so adolescent. And I don't mind telling you, for many years of my 43-year marriage, I would make my wife pay for saying something like that to me. I wouldn't talk to her for a day or two or three. I would make her wonder, oh, did I make him mad? Is he upset with me? Or, you know, again, that's leadership by uh, silence, you know. Uh, That's a whole other topic that we'll talk about in the near future, the silence of Adam, the silence of men, and what happens in relationship. Well, this verse came to my mind, act like a man, act like men. And what do men do? Uh, Instead of punishing our wives or our girlfriends by things like that, uh, we initiate, we go back to where we were hurt or whatever happened, we initiate the conversation, and we try to make it right. So anytime that you go back in your relationship, you go back with gentleness You go back with humility. You go back with forgiveness and say, look, what I did was wrong. I'd like to ask your forgiveness and make it right. This, I think, is the behavior of men of God and not boys. Think about that. Guys, we hope you enjoyed this podcast with our guest, Reggie Campbell. We've got another one in two weeks. Again, these roll out the first and third Wednesdays of the month. Please hit like, subscribe, share it with the guys that you're doing life with. Until next time, we're out. See ya.